Welcome to the podcast, Super Friends. Five podcast producers from across North America get together to discuss podcasting. And welcome to this month's edition of the podcast, Super Friends. I am John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcast. We will go around the room and introduce ourselves very quickly. We could uh, start with um, the fighting through illness, Matt Cundell. <laughs> it's round two of, of COVID, twice in a calendar oh. year. Cool. Yikes. Anyhow. Say it ain't so. Yeah, I know. We're much better now. Uh, Matt Cundell, Winnipeg, Canada. The Sound Off Media Company is, is who we are. And I got my COVID on the airplane coming back from Punta Cana. Well, fortunately, Matt's in Canada, oh. so he's only four-fifths as sick as we would typically be with COVID. <laughs> so, uh, Johnny Podcasts. Hello. I am very excited to be here. We have a very, very special episode for you all today. <laughs> Where, uh, Catherine. Yes, I'm also, this is so special. Uh, I'm Catherine O'Brien. I'm in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Coming in as a podcast producer, just dying to talk about all these exciting topics that we have ready for you. David. Ho, ho, podcast or something. Uh, <laughs> hello, everyone. David, David Yaz in Boston, pod617.com, producing podcasts in Boston and all around the globe. All right. So uh, we were, we kind of, uh, called an audible on today's topic, and we've got to give Johnny credit for the idea. Uh, Santa's podcast gift bag. Listens that we have learned from working with our clients, we feel you can apply to your podcast and the industry as a whole in 2024. So since this was your idea, Johnny, why don't we go ahead with uh, your first prediction? Yeah, I think uh, mine's not so much predictions. I think it was more like... Lessons learned, five, I apologize. Yeah. The, the, the five of us, I mean, we all work on podcasts all day long professionally, and the audience of this show is people that want to improve their podcast. So why not take all this knowledge just from the last year? I, I feel like over the past year, we've kind of have thrown out knowledge that we've learned over the years, but specifically this year, I feel like we all have some big takeaways that have worked for shows, have not worked for shows, and we want to share that with you, the audience, today. I'll start with my first one. I feel like we could just go one at a maybe we'd like go one person does one, another person. Yeah, we go round robin, sure. Um, my biggest takeaway of 2023 is shorts are the key to marketing. And mm. people think, oh, well, the conversion rate of shorts to someone subscribing to my show are very low. And and that is just something that we have to grasp and deal with. And that's okay. Basically, you're just trying to increase your awareness, your brand awareness. And if it's someone that just subscribes to your YouTube channel for your shorts or your TikTok or your Instagram, that's one more follower that you didn't have yesterday. You're already making the content. Why not cut it into shorts? Specifically on how to make good shorts. Nay, great shorts. <laughs> the first three seconds are key. Mm. Everyone here that's watching this and everyone here at the round table watches some sort of short form content. And if that hook doesn't grab you in the first three seconds, boom, you're gone. You're never watching that content again. You're never scrolling back up to that video. It's over. So when you're finding your hook for your short, it doesn't necessarily need to be the first three seconds and then it continues on to the video. If the hook is at the very end of the video, you can clip that, drop it at the very front, hit me right out of the gate and then go into your clips. So those first three seconds are the key to keeping someone watching your video. The second one, when it comes to shorts, different content, different platforms. The stuff mm -hmm. that you're going to post on LinkedIn, a professional website, and maybe Twitter X a little bit more professional as well, is probably not going to be the same content that you're sharing onto TikTok or Instagram Reels or YouTube Short, where it's more sort of people are looking for entertainment and less so business life advice. So you need to consider the platform and what type of content you share on each platform and your shorts should reflect each of those platforms. Uh, from the research that I've done throughout the year, it seems that 35 seconds is sort of the sweet spot. I watched a, uh, I watched a really deep dive interview with this woman who's made millions and millions of followers and dollars off of shorts alone. And she was like, 35 seconds is my sweet spot. So you need to mm. find the videos that perform super well on your channel how long are they? That is a critical part of how of why an episode or why a short performs well or why it doesn't perform well. Uh, and then the final is B-roll and subtitles are key. It can't just be your talking head and nothing else. Add some background images, memes, stuff on the internet that's related because we need that flashing light as humans that are addicted to our phones to keep us <laughs> engaged with the video. And then a lot of times people are not watching with audio. So, mm. uh, 
if they just have it open and it's muted while they're at work, they can read the video as well. That will keep them watching and that's going to keep them engaged too. I know for me personally, when I watch stuff on Netflix, I always have the subtitles on, even if it's in English. It's just the way that people are consuming content more and more nowadays. So shorts are key to marketing, not only yourself, but your podcast. Excellent points, John. I think you really came out of the gate strong there with, you know, there has been resistance to it all. Oh, it's not going to convert, but it's just like, you know, television or radio advertising. The more impressions you get with a commercial or the more impressions you get with a song until it becomes familiar. Back to Matt and my radio background, you make a really good point there. Any other follow-ups uh, to Johnny's points before we hit our next uh, spot in our round robin? I'll touch on the subtitles, which I really like a lot. And I think one of the things that came out of subtitles that, you wanted to have a lot of visuals. I remember when we did radio ads on, on for television for the people who were in the bar who, where it was muted, they would look mm. up on the screen and be able to see what the ad was. Mm. Uh, same thing really when it, when it comes to phone, there's a lot of people who are double boxed, double screened. And sometimes they don't have the phone up that loud and just having the words go across smart. Like it. I do. I do have a tiny little bit of a societal fear that we're now down to, we have to catch everybody not in 30 seconds, in three seconds, and 35 seconds is the max of our attention span. I have a tiny bit of concern for that, but I am going to accept what is and, and take Johnny's advice to heart here. I'll follow up on Johnny's point about different platforms too, Catherine. I think when you expand to a larger full podcast, someone can create uh, consume rather that long form content. They right. say the first 30 seconds is the, or minute is key to your podcast. Here, we're just scaling it all down where we're just saying, okay, three seconds to catch somebody for a 30 second short or a 35 second short to Johnny's example. So I think it's the same idea, just, you know, scaled down by the medium. I I agree. But there is a little bit of a don't you have a little bit of like, a? it's just it's getting faster and faster and faster. We're just having to deal with it. Yeah, It, it, it is. And it's just I mean, we can either fight it in the namesake of you know, going back to the stone age or we can do what's best. <laughs> we can do what's best for our clients. And what's best for our clients is to promote is to be as knowledgeable about this stuff as possible. And I did say listening. I'm accepting of what is, yeah, but absolutely. I, you know, I, yeah, I, I was, I, I'm just being, yeah, I'm sorry. It's been three seconds. What were we talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I've forgotten already. It doesn't matter. I heard shorts and I almost grabbed my phone. What? This is a weird <laughs> way to start a conversation. <laughs> uh, so Johnny makes the point about, uh, about shorts and creating that content. Let me bounce it over to Dave because Dave makes a really good point uh, in our notes here for we prep for our, our podcast here, by the way, always prep for your podcast. <laughs> um, avoiding pod fading by creating new segments and keeping it fun. I think so many of us, uh, both ourselves and our clients have hit a wall. Sometimes the podcast where it's the same thing every week you get into a rhythm and you forget this is supposed to be fun. So Dave, <laughs> take it away with your uh, first point. Sure. Even if you have a simple, most of us have interview podcasts. It's a long form interview. It's probably the most common format. And well, but whether it's that's your format or not, it's, it's always good to add a little sizzle to the steak. So even if you're just asking your guests questions in sort of a different form, turn it into something fun. I produce a baseball podcast for the New England Baseball Journal. We do a segment at the end called Three Up, Three Down, and I throw out three random questions about baseball. What was your first baseball glove? What's your favorite baseball card? And we play a quick uh, sound intro to it. Three up, three down. Strike three. And uh, the guest always gets a kick out of it. I, I the, the guest and the host both answer the question. So it's just another way of packaging that content, doing something interesting. I, ho- I co-host a music podcast. We're always looking about new ways of talking about music nostalgia. We decided to do something called the ABCs of Rock Fantasy Draft, where we would start with letter A in one episode and actually have a draft and go back and forth. And I'll take Aerosmith. I'll take ACDC. It's just a different way of, of doing things. Yes, I created a sound stink for that, too. Yes, I'm going to play it for you. ABCs of Rock. Thank you. Um, so it really is just a matter of getting a little bit creative. And then the, if it works well, the, the listeners will dig it. They'll, it'll be something they'll look forward to. Mm. So it's like, oh, I wonder if they're going to play that little quiz game at the end or whatever it is. Or I love it when they do the, um, you know, ask the lawyer segment when somebody writes in a question. 
you can do something. I do something on my show called Good Stuff, where I just have the guest recommend something good. It could be a good book they just read. It could be a good TV show they just saw. So I think not only does it create some variety to the content you're you're providing, it gives the listeners something to look forward to, and it's going to keep you and the guests sort of jazzed in a different way. Back to I, you, Jack. Dave, you make another side point to make off of your comments there. The audio production piece, the, I love the baseball piece of in radio. We call it imaging. I should call it imaging and podcasting I mean, too. But that I love that it adds that fun element. Both it's the whole surprise and delight thing. Not only are you surprising and delighting your audience, you're surprising and delighting your guests. And oh, that sounds fun. Let's 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 play with this. So that's something that can really be used to keep things fresh as uh, production and sound design as well. Yeah, it's it's amazing how people will get a kick out of that. It also just gives you an air of professionalism. You know, this is you play your show intro lot live, or you play it as you record the show. You play it. Um, you play a little sound sting like that, just adjusting stuff. Yeah, it's it's fun and it's win win. Speaking of your audience, Catherine, one of your points that you had brought forward was know your audience, which is a a, a phrase that many of us try to live by. It's a, it's a, it's such. <laughs> Uh, an important piece of advice in so many things, but especially in podcasting. Talk to me about that phrase, know your audience. Well, I, I really have come to the conclusion that knowing your audience and the audience factor is so critical in podcasting. And if you don't know your audience, you don't know who you are talking to. You don't know who you're trying to put your show in front of. There's just so many factors that depend on knowing your audience. It's I think it's kind of like I have really come to the conclusion that it's a little bit of a undersold element of the podcasting. We can talk a lot about our technical side. We can talk about how we want the show to be. But then eventually we're trying to present it to somebody, to somebody's. And if we we don't know who that person is, we're going to come up short. Um, one of my shows that I work on, we've really been dealing with a lot of the audience, knowing your audience piece. Um, specifically. I, I think it's really important that, um, you know, where, first of all, that there is a demand in that group that you want to put the podcast to. Um, a lot of the things I've been dealing with have been about the average number of podcast listeners, uh, knowing that maybe podcasting is best approached as a niche product and that you're, pre you're presenting it to your niche audience. Um, for example, one of the shows I work on, it's we're so proud of the work that we're doing, but we're having a little bit of trouble connecting with our desired audience. And I started, we started asking questions like, do they want a podcast? Are they familiar with podcasting? Are they in an age group that is sort of in that sweet spot of podcast listeners and really doing that assessment? Do they want a podcast? Having to really ask those tough questions. And even back to sort of uh, trailing on Johnny's original point about social media, I was kind of pushing a lot of things for the audience, this particular podcast audience towards things like Instagram, because I like Instagram and I like what the, the, what the, my client does on Instagram. Well, we've come to the conclusion that this is really these, the people that we are trying to target for the show are on Facebook. I don't look, I don't use Facebook. I don't like Facebook, but again, falling in love with what is now I'm at, we're having to gear a lot of our things to Facebook because that's where the audience is. You can't fish in a pond where there are no fish. You've got to really know your audience, know where they are, know what they're doing because audience growth is really at the bottom line. What is going to make your podcast succeed or not? That really is such a good point, Catherine, about what you may use for social media may not be what a podcast audience is using for social media. There's so many different flavors. It's like Baskin Robbins at this point. Right. And so, and again, back to, I'm just going to, Johnny, I'm just using your point completely. I, I like, I like what Twitter's doing. I see the potential of, you know, that they're trying to have this mass, be a media platform. You see it happening. We're seeing it being un unveiled at real time. But I also know that that does not necessarily mean the audience for a particular podcast that I'm working on is on Twitter. They just aren't. They're somebody, somewhere else. So I'm. we're having to adjust to what the audience is actually doing, actually wants. I can't make them get on a platform that they're not already on. 
that's just that is just uh, asking for trouble in, in my perspective. So there's a lot of bit of just knowing what your audience is actually doing and then responding to it. And so how do you as the, you listening to this now, you podcaster, <clears throat> you're asking, OK, <laughs> that's all fine and dandy said. But how do we do it? How do we find out who our audience is? Audience survey. Yes. Really easy to put together in Google Forms. It's free. And you just ask the questions that you want your audience to answer. I've run two of these for two of my shows over the past year. They may have been a little excessive for your show. They were like 60 questions each, but that's because of the audience and who they are. We wanted to get as much information about them as possible. If you want to answer three simple questions, what other podcasts do you listen to? What social media do you use the most? What do you want to see more from from this show? Just get that, throw it in the uh, description of your show on your hosting website, put it in the show description of all your episodes and get their email as well at the end. That is how you really, that is the best possible way to figure out who your core listeners are because the people who are obsessed with your podcast that feel like they know you super well because they're listening to you every single week, they will be the ones to actually sit down for the two or three minutes and fill out that form. You may not get a ton of responses, but the information that you do get will be valuable. I would suggest you use, pardon me, sorry, Catherine. I would suggest you use something around your content to suck people into that survey rather than just a headline that says, help, help us with feedback on our podcast. If your um, uh, podcast on cycling, say, what's your favorite place? Tell us your favorite places to cycle. And when they click through, they get to the survey. And that's one of the questions about the actual you know, content that your podcast is on. And then they'll be happy to answer some questions about what they'd like to hear in the pod. You can also bribe them and, and give away. That's like, what we did. We, we, offered, we offered cash giveaways, for, but you had to put your email in there because that's how we selected who it would be. Right. The other thing, though, too, Johnny, is that an audience survey is for people who are already listening to your podcast. There are procedures for people to do what, they, you know, like a customer avatar or an audience mem- member avatar just, you know, you're you're deciding who are we going to target to begin with. Um, once you do that, then you then you make adjustments on what actually happens. So, again, back to the example of Instagram versus Facebook. So, you know, we were targeting an audience that I presumed would be Instagram people. They're not. Right. But that but that it was OK for me to say predict, OK, they are going to be coming to us through Instagram. And then we just have to adjust once they are. It would be foolish then for me to keep pushing it Instagram um, and then, you know, without adjusting to Facebook. But when you're starting out, when you're just going and you don't have, you don't have the audience, it's okay to sort of say, we predict that they're going to be, you know, this is who we're picturing. We're picturing they are female. They are this age. They are this uh, socioeconomic level. They are Instagram users. They are whatever. And then how did you find out that they were Facebook users? Because that was where we were getting the actual response from listing the podcast episode and from the other uh, the other content that she is putting out this particular show. It wasn't just the podcast. That's that's where everything was getting the most traction. Okay, so she has like a business tied to the show and all all of the attention was coming from Facebook. Okay, so I just wanted to just get because I feel like in the in the sense of like we're giving away these secrets, we should give as much detail as possible. Like, okay, well, how did we find this out? Right. Well, yeah. And, and, and that's, I mean, I would say, I would say probably most businesses they're, they're trying at least all of them. Right. So we, we have all dealt with people who that, you know, they like a miracle, they find out, Oh, link LinkedIn is actually where I'm getting the most traction. By the way, I'm hearing more and more people saying that, which is, it's kind of a surprise to me, but once again, just accepting what is, but most businesses will put out information on all platforms and then it's not a it's not a question of oh um you know twitter twitter's uh, potential is so much greater because it's not doing well now the answer is really no we're responding to it doing where is it doing well you know where are you getting the most people you put yeah. gas on the fire you don't you know you don't try and stoke the the low flame so to speak i, I think that's a really good point Catherine, because there are small you know larger companies can do all that experimentation if you're making right. a one person operation maybe you're only able to do a little bit at a time. You can use the tracking links and see what links are getting the most clicks on various platforms. And then you know where to focus your energy because you don't have the time and bandwidth to do it everywhere all the time. Um, Speaking of every good. 
Can Johnny? I, one last thing on the on the clickable links. Bitly offers that for free. You can create a yes. hundred mm-hmm. links per month. You drop any link you want in there, and it gives you a short Bitly link, and then it keeps them all organized for you. And you can go in and check them retroactively and see how many people clicked those. So that's a that's a great call out. Bit.ly. Matt Condal says bigger is not always better. And you know what? That includes guests. So one of the things that I've wandered through this year and discovered that there's uh, some of our bigger podcasts are complicated. Um, they take a lot of time. There's a lot of teeth gnashing over exactly what Catherine said. Where's the audience? What's the audience? Sometimes they're celebrity driven and there's many guests and we get a big guest on and it doesn't necessarily resonate. So, when you're working with a podcast that has a very narrow audience, niche subject matter, it is going to be easier mm. to market and to find that audience because you know exactly where to look for them. They're hanging out exactly where the products are and where the subject matter is. But when you're dealing with a little bit more wider topics, um, it is going to be harder to, to, to get people to come back to the show every week. One of the pieces of research that we discovered when we had a big guest on a show And I really implore people to stop, stop, stop trying to get big guests on the show. Hmm. So we'll use an example, Gordon Ramsay. If you can get Gordon Ramsay in your podcast, is that a good thing? Well, maybe it's not going to get as more downloads than any other episode. Because Gordon Ramsay is on every week. He's also on the internet. He's also on YouTube. He's also on Instagram. (laughs) And, you know, your podcast is not going to be the first choice for them to go to consume Gordon Ramsay. So that was something that came back a number of times when we did have big guests on a show. So bigger is not always better. And that, that includes when you're trying to you know, have a very large podcast, a celebrity-driven one. Um, you're probably better off if you have a, the opportunity to dig into a very niche subject matter. You're probably better off. And as well as if you're the host of the show, people are listening to the show, you're the constant. People are coming to the show for the host and listening mm. to you and the way you deliver your content. And going and getting a guest is not going to change that. People are still coming for you. That's a really good point, Matt. By the way, I went on a YouTube rabbit hole last night and watched the Gordon Ramsay episode of Hot Ones, the trivia show, which was hysterical. Uh, you mean you didn't hear him on my podcast last week? No, I did not. Uh, he wasn't chugging Pepto-Bismol on your podcast. No, he was not. Johnny says that X slash Twitter slash whatever you want to call it these days will be the future of content consumption. What do you mean? I think it's called Go F Yourself Now. I think Elon changed the name <laughs> officially. Troll um, in chief. <laughs> this, I, I'm very biased when it comes to this because a lot of my, most of my clients started off by having really big platforms on Twitter. So I feel mm-hmm. like this can be applicable to wherever your client base or wherever you're building your social media platform I'll start it at the top by saying the best way that you can grow your podcast is by growing on a social media channel, whether that's Instagram, whether that's LinkedIn, whether leveraging that audience, you can now bring them into your podcast because they're already following you for your content. So all that to be said, most of my clients are very big on Twitter and I'll just give you a, a hard numbers example. So right when we started at four o'clock, part of our content strategy for one of our shows is that we post what uh, we feel is the most interesting five to 10 minutes from the episode that we'll be releasing tomorrow morning. We put that out on Twitter X. Mm. Uh, I'm going to pull up the analytics for you right now. This post went out 20 minutes ago. It already has 2,500 impressions and a thousand unique views on a five minute clip. So that is doing much better than just tweeting out a link to your episode when it's out. So a platform like Twitter, those analytics can then be combined with our overall RSS feed because Twitter also allows you to put the entire video podcast up onto the platform and you can add clickable time codes so people can jump around. That's something that we noticed. That's a lot of feedback that we got from our audience as well was, hey, we're really busy. We love that you're putting out hour plus episodes. However, it would be really nice to be able to just jump to the parts of the podcast that I would really like. So that hits home on two things that I've talked about all year long. You need to have some kind of video component to your podcast. You need to be doing time codes for your podcast and you need to be leveraging platforms like this where you're able to get the entire episode up onto a whole new social media platform that doesn't incorporate the RSS feed. There'd be no way to get your podcast onto Twitter. Now there is. There's no way to get a full episode on Instagram. There's no way to get a full episode onto YouTube or onto LinkedIn. You can get it on Twitter. 
You can do it on YouTube as well. YouTube is its own kind of thing. But I think in terms of a social media platform where people are engaging with each other, you're building followings that's not based solely on video uploads. I think that that's going to be a huge benefit for people going forward if you're trying to grow a following in general that your podcast can be encompassed within. Johnny, loving counterpoint to borrow Catherine's favorite phrase. <laughs> Please. You know, uh, the news as we're recording this on December 11th of 23, news that uh, Elon Musk is going to, you know, replatform Alex Jones, let him go back on Twitter. I know you're an avid Twitter user. I know it's been very helpful for you and your business. What do you say to the pushback of Twitter as losing folks due to uh, controversy, as Jimmy Fallon would say? Yeah, I mean, I, I think everyone's entitled to their own opinions. I, I won't speak on Alex Jones specifically, but I think that there are a lot of Twitter accounts. Uh, there are terrorist Middle Eastern accounts that still are allowed to be on there. The Ayatollah is allowed to be on Twitter. There are a lot of people on Twitter that you could make the argument are worse than Alex Jones. Um, but again, everyone has the right to their own opinion. Uh, I just think that if you don't like what he has to say, you can mute him, you can block him. I think that's another thing I harp on with Twitter specifically is if you mute and block all of the politics, I've built my entire career off of Twitter and I don't tweet anything political. I don't talk about politics. I don't follow the politics on there. So the platform is really what you make of it. So that, that would be my response to it. Fair point. Any I've also seen things where when controversy does hit, you might lose some people, but you just get it back with time spent from the core user. I see that often happen with platforms. I have a question, though, for Johnny about this show. And we're a video. We're streaming live right now to some Twitter accounts and YouTube. Uh, should we be making changes to how we do this? Uh, I I want to post them. Uh, I, I think that we can do a better job of the copy that we can do with this. So... How we have it right now is it's sort of automatically posted with sort of a generic headline of what it's about. I think that all of us could do a better job is if we got the video file ourselves and we tweeted it out with our own custom copy that's based on how we tweet out, how we write our own content, um, and then adding the time. I know that this is like we're, we're doing this for free. Matt does an amazing job with doing all the production pro bono, which we really appreciate. I don't think we necessarily need to jump on the time codes just right away, just because of the time that it would take and no one's paying anybody to do that. Um, but I, I do think that rather than auto posting at a random time, I think that the individual user being the five of us should be posting the full video, uploading it, talking about our experience. Cause how I would write it out right now is I'm giving away everything that I learned about podcasting in 2023 for free right now in this video. You can watch it right here. I'm not charging anybody anything for this. Get it well time. Yeah, exactly. So something like that's how I would improve this specific show. Okay. So it really, it's a really simple change. Um, normally what I was doing was I was having a repeat and we still might repeat this show on the Twitter accounts. There's only one Twitter account being used live right now and that's Catherine's. But tomorrow I was going to just replay the whole thing on our Twitter accounts. Instead of doing that, what I could do is just make the video available to everybody and we can run wild with what Johnny says, which is yeah. why we do this, by the way, is to learn new stuff. Happy mm. to put, my, put it up on my Twitter feed tomorrow and send the video file. Absolutely. Okay. So you're saying I can take the file and I just upload it to my Twitter and... As long as it's under two gigabytes, you can post it. And which a hack around that for everybody there. So for example, a lot of the videos that I post, we're using really high-end cameras. They're big files. I just exported two today. They were each 20 gigabytes each. Obviously, that's not going to fly on Twitter. How do you get around that? You upload it to YouTube. YouTube processes it, processes it in a full HD version. And then you can re-download it. And I've never downloaded one that's more than one gigabyte afterwards. Mm. Whole thing, very high quality. Upload it to YouTube, re-download it yourself to your computer. You post that one to Instagram. Or, I'm uh, the Twitter. kid in the class who's just asking all the questions when when the teacher just wants to move on. Well, I'm sure uh, most of some people in the audience are probably <laughs> thinking the exact same thing. So let's just let's just spill it. Spill it. I, I, I'd have you bring me an Apple map, but you've got COVID, so I'm not going <laughs> to okay. take your Apple right now. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. 
We'll be talking to the people who worked at 4Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. Hello, I'm Wendy Mesley. There you are. A lot of people have wondered what happened to you. I could say the same about you, Maureen Holloway. Well, here we are, a few years after we left our previous jobs. We've been busy. We have a podcast. I know, you're thinking, who doesn't? But ours is really good. It's called Women of Ill Repute. We don't just talk to women, though. Just the most interesting people you'd ever want to meet. Artists, musicians, comedians, doctors. Activists, convicts, writers, sex workers. Drop some names. Jan Arden, Pamela Anderson, Bruce Coburn. Samantha Irby, Louise Penny, Marilyn Dennis, Colin Mockery. We laugh, we cry, sometimes we argue. Come and find us. Our website is womenofillrepute.com. Or try Apple, Spotify, and all the podcast places. So now you know what happened to us, Women of Ill Repute. The Podcast Super Friends support Podcasting 2.0. So feel free to send us a boost if you're listening on a newer podcast app. Find the full list at newpodcastapps.com. You know, and it's funny you mentioned video. I upgraded my laptop because I started doing more video production for my clients, thanks to Johnny and, and Matt and others making, you know, dragging my feet into it. And I got an external Thunderbolt hard drive because some of these files, if they're high quality, can be massive. But speaking of videos, David Yaz says spiffy videos can be done on a budget for those <laughs> who are a little intimidated by this part of the conversation. That's right. So here are a few, few of my pointers for making videos, video versions of your podcast or whatever they may be. And you can, you can do this even if you're just on a, a Zoom call or using another recording platform, connecting with your guests remotely or whether you're doing it in person. First of all, invest in a, a green screen. You can, I'm using one now. It's, it makes a big difference. Believe me, you don't want to see like what's behind me in my apartment. But here, you, know, the, you can let your imagination run wild as to what kind of background you can use. You can get one on Amazon. The, I mean, there are any of a number of brands. There's one called Emart, E M A R T. It's 18 bucks. It's the one that's hanging behind me. It works works just fine. Um, you know, to do if you're intimidated by the idea of video editing, you know, don't be a, a short, you know, tutorial on even iMovie. I use iMovie. It's the simplest of programs. It's the most basic. It comes with the Mac. And to if you're get even slightly familiar with that, you can put up a logo that comes up before the, the video. You can do uh, an overlay. You can maybe add a little intro music there. And then what I do is I, I if, if I'm doing a video and audio version of a podcast, I'll do the video. You don't really need to edit out, you know, pregnant pauses, ums and uhs and other things. Only something really drastic that doesn't belong in the video is what I would recommend. That's kind of the way video podcasts have gone. After that, I take the audio version of that video file and I use that to then do a more meticulous editing as I would do for an audio podcast. So it's kind of a, a time saver. Mm. Um, Jack, do you want me to share one example of what I'm talking about? Or Please, yeah. No? Okay. Can you, are you able to share it into the, the session here? I think so. Matt's our tech guy for uh, StreamYard here. so Yeah, once you hit the share there, I'll just punch it up. No, I, yeah, I got it. Um, so I'll just play the first, not even 30 seconds of this. Okay, so to kick things off, uh, sort of the idea for this, Jamie, was... That looks awesome. To create- All right, That's so really good. 
Thank you. Um, really simple. The the background image I made in uh, Adobe Express, you can use Canva, just a simple editing program. The logo, I got to give credit to my client, Brian Roberts, commissioned someone to, to do that logo. But then I created just this this overlay. And that is just the footage from a Zoom call. Just as simple as recording the Zoom call, downloading it later. And you put this this overlay over it and it looks kind of spiffy. So, um, and, you know, you saw the logo at the beginning. You can throw a logo on at the end, et cetera. Um, I can do one more quick one. Uh, Please. It'll be an example of one. Only if it's your music podcast. <laughs> no, we don't do. See, we don't do a video version of that because we'd get kicked off YouTube for the. Oh, yeah. The uh, music clips that we play. Not off X. Uh, here's another one where they, I mean, I have a studio in Boston area and it was recorded here, but we used a green screen. So it's a good example of that. Welcome to the Didi and Latal show. Advice. Not very sophisticated animation here. Of course. Couple, pretty simple. On cybersecurity, technology, and life in general. Now here are your hosts, Didi and Latal. Hello and welcome to the Didi and Lital show. I'm Lital. Hi, Didi. Hey, Lital. It's a fr- okay. So the, you can see that the the use of the green screen. I mean, you can tell it's a green screen, but it's not painfully obvious, and I I think it looks fine. And you know, just using a fade in feature on the iMovie, you get them kind of appearing out of thin air, which is kind of a cool effect. You get the obviously the imaging, the logo, and so that's uh, that's my 101 on. Uh, video editing on the cheap. But Johnny, I, I want you to know, I bought the expensive camera and I'm going to be calling you to figure out how to use it. It's <laughs> right, sitting right over here. It's going to look amazing. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You, you know, I think the theme I'm picking up on here in a way is Darwinism because technology has improved so much, especially in 2023, where we talk about accessibility to, you know, things like Canva, video editing programs, audio editing programs, AI, things like that. It makes the space a lot easier to get into, and it really does become a case of the cream rising to the top because now there's a lot of competition. The barrier to entry is lower than it ever has been, so that's why we're talking about all these things today to make your podcast more successful. And to Catherine's next point, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of baloney out there. (laughs) Oh, we're going to this one already? (laughs) I thought that was going to be my crowning opus to send us on home. But yeah, I'm going to say this. In 2023, a lot of things were exposed to be either, if I'm going to be very generous, I'm going to say unfounded, or if I'm going to be uncharitable, I would say actually untrue. Um, We're still seeing a lot of shaking out of the let's say the in in outside investor the vc investors from 2021 into podcasting and for the difference between that and the majority of podcasters which have smaller modest shows we've even seen a lot of critically acclaimed shows these sort of big names in podcasts proven to be not able to deliver a return on investment for some of these big podcasting outlets so uh, I know that I really personally, I, I reached sort of a threshold. We'll just say that when a lot of the experts at a large podcasting conference were undermining all of the things that they had been previously telling us for years <laughs> on end. Is that, was that a diplomatic way of saying it, Jag? I, I tried really hard well <laughs> right played. there. Well done. And even, even when we had that great conversation with Jay, we, a lot of podcasters are having to let go of a podcast means an RSS feed. Uh, it, it, if you want to build an audience, if you want to have people consuming the content that you're creating, you might have to let go of some of those preconceived ideas and get used to putting out your show on all of the platforms. Get used to putting out your show in a way that you weren't thinking you had to before. Um, it, there's just been a lot of things proven untrue. Uh, I know that it, uh, after I got ticked off, I decided, you know, I'm just going to uh, maybe rely on our own experience of what we're doing with our clients and with the, the podcasts that we're producing. Um, you know, like just rely on your, take things with a grain of salt and go by what the experiences of the shows that you're actually putting out there. That's, that's going to guide you a lot more than some of the expert advice out there. 
related to that, uh, Matt, uh, before I move on to Matt, any follow-ups for Catherine there? I think she's spot on with everything she's saying here. Um, you know, Everybody's nodding for the listening-only audience. <laughs> Thank you for the translation. <laughs> related to this point, Matt makes the point that podcasters are not on the same page. Yeah, and that goes back to what Catherine said, and that's you know a lot of the baloney that things have to be done in a particular way. So I'll go back to that era when there were ways that were encouraged to market podcasts, where to put your podcasts. And one of those things I'll use, for example, is, you know, IAB certification. That way mm. we can all find out exactly what a download is. <laughs> you should have an IAB certified host in order to, you know, so that we know what a download is so that you can sell it. And listen, it's a lot easier to know what a download is when, when we know that it doesn't come from a Russian bot. There's many different ways to count. But now I'm beginning to see that, you know, IEB certification, if you've been following along with Pod News and James Cridland, there's a lot of companies that have not re-upped. And, you know, it's something that you do have to re-up every few years. Mm-hmm. And so they're coming around to it and they're slow. But I, I think a lot of companies are slow to get this recertification because I think they don't want to pay this one because it does cost about $30,000 to do it. But I think they looking for another way or hoping that another metric comes along um, in the way we, we can count our metrics and the way we can sort of determine, you know, who's listening and what's a, what's a download. Um, I mean, it makes maybe. sense though, because who wants to pay, if I owned a company, I don't want to pay $30,000 every two years to be told that I'm actually not getting as many downloads right. as I think I Well, am. if you're selling advertising, then you're not getting that $500,000 check then. Yeah. Right. So, you know, there would be, there would be reasons for that. Um, you know, why you would need it. Hey, listen, it's, it's, standards are important. I, I'm not, I'm not decrying this stuff, but I'm just finding that, that, you know, podcasting 2.0 is another example. Um, are, you know, finding new ways to use RSS. There's been no changes, mm-hmm. right? But not everybody wants to take the time to make those changes and to get together and to really push the ball forward. So there's a lot of podcasters that are not on the same page. 80% of our RSS downloads are coming from Apple and Spotify. Mm-hmm. And whatever changes they make are the changes that we have to live with. Right. A lot of apps are disappearing. Where's Stitcher? Stitcher? We lost right. that this year. Um, we're going to lose the Google app as soon as April, for those of you in the United States. Uh, so the Google app is going away. Um, so, you know, changes- The Google podcast app, let's specify. The Google app itself is not going yeah, away. Google we don't want to scare app. anybody here. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and raise your hand if you started listening to all your podcasts on YouTube Music. Crickets. Exactly. <laughs> I was supposed to check to see if one of my clients had it up there today, but I forgot. Clearly, I'll it was a big later. priority for you, Matt. I'll do it later. One, you know, one thing I want to mention from my observation, my biggest lesson from 2023 is how ubiquitous AI is. But it seemingly it seems to me that AI is only as good as the human gatekeeper that is using it. I I really can't emphasize that enough. There are AI tools that I use to process audio, uh, Adobe Studio Sound, Descript as well. And you got to go through and do the edit afterwards because sometimes Mm -hmm. it's going to lop off an S at the end of a word. It might think a couple consonants are a breath and might cut those out. It might distort a piece of audio. You you can't just set it and forget it. You've really got to go through it. Same thing with the description. You don't want something embarrassing in your transcription that it thinks is a naughty word, for example, that it's not a naughty word. I've had that happen. You I've had really, it too. You really can't just trust the AI to set it and forget it. It's improving, but you it is a time saver because you don't have to do all the actual work, but you've got to check whether it's audio, text, whatever it is, you really have to follow through and everything. I, I, you know, I had a, a client catch something in a transcription, an error today, because I, I'll admit, I didn't go through and didn't check it by hand. It's, um, it's like you say, Jag, it's a, it's a tool. Um, it's, it can't produce the creativity and it can't really produce great content. And that's what we're in the business. And really, if you're podcasting, it's, it is at the end of the day about the content. Are you producing a good, compelling show? Uh, Jag, I, I don't know about you. I do use it for certain things like the uh, list of topics. And, you know, Johnny talked about the importance of that and putting those in the yeah. show notes of both video and audio. 
it's a it's a godsend for me for that because man, I hate doing that. Just go <laughs> going through the transcript of a show and go. All right, at twelve minutes he talked about his dog, and then uh, at uh, thirteen and a half minutes he talked about his cat, and you know, it's, and it just. But if you put the entire transcript into ChatGPT and say, you know, give me time coded topics and give me about two dozen of them, it will do that. And mm-hmm. and to be honest with you, the the the, the it may not be perfect, but one, you give it a quick look and and you take out anything that's tragically wrong. And two, hmm. um, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this out loud, but you know the stakes aren't particularly high on show notes. You want them in there for SEO, but if if something's off a little here or there, you forget a topic, it's not the end of the world. So that's that's the type of thing I would leave to artificial intelligence. Related to that, Dave, you say that SEO still matters. To, uh, expunge upon that. Expand upon that. <laughs> I'll expunge. I'll expand upon it if you don't expunge it, Jack. That's fair. <laughs> You're in charge here. Okay, it's been a long day. Um, <laughs> yes, I'd like to make a motion to expand. Uh, so, <laughs> granted, yeah, I, I just I just noticed this. This is this might be Captain Obvious, but um, you know, a lot of us do do get lazy when it comes. To, you, you put out a podcast. You, you 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 edit it later. You put in the intro music and the outro music. And finally, you're ready to upload it. Then you're like, oh, I didn't do the show notes yet. Oh, I didn't do the show description. I didn't do the talk. Um, it it does matter. And I've noticed it recently because some of the, the pods that I'll use the example, the mu- music podcast again that I worked on. I noticed that um, I put in a whole bunch of lists of topics that we had covered in past episodes. I put them all in the very show description. I'm not talking about the show. I'm talking about the show description of the, the show itself. And I put things like things that we had done, like the best party songs ever, the best mashups ever, the best country songs ever, and a whole laundry list of them. And believe it or not, we got a little spike, just that. And so the lesson I took, and you guys, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, is think about when you want your podcast to pop up when someone Googles something. So if you are, um, you know, doing a show on gambling um, or let's say, uh, let's make it more innocent than that. Uh, card tricks. You teach card tricks and your podcast is go card tricks. I don't know if anyone has podcasts like that. I just made it up. But anyway, if you do car- card tricks expert Chicago, that's say that's you. So put that question in or, you know, if you want your podcast to come up when it says, what are the best places to hike in the greater Chicago area? If you want, then get that info in your show description in your episode notes, if, if, and, um, and you'll be surprised because you can test it later and see if it comes up. And if you're specific enough, you know, geography is a good way to narrow down your show, then your podcast is going to pop up. And all of a sudden you're the answer to the question that that you want to answer. So that's my two cents. Be the answer. I like it. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Related tangentially to, uh, SEO and text is transcription. Matt, your thoughts there? They're a pain in the ass. Um, <laughs> I was going to let you say it. I didn't want to leave it in for you. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, and, and David summed it up, you know, about having to go through it and check in at minute 12, at minute 13. But you do have to really pay attention. First of all, your client really wants it perfect. Whether or not we say we're doing it for SEO and whatnot, it's really tough to tell a client, yeah, we did the transcription. Yeah, it's not perfect. Hey, uh, Patsy, sorry that your name came out Nazi, by the way. Uh, oh, jeez. <laughs> true story. That happened. We call actually. it a rough transcription. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and again, it matters, right? So you, you do want to be perfectly that people get upset with the name, uh, with the way names are spelled and the way that comes out. Melissa with one L instead of two. I had a case last week with a Hillary with one L instead of two. And, you know, it, it, it does matter. Um, Things do get a little bit complex. I know we'd like to think that, that, that it works. 93% is good, but that's if everybody's got a nice, uh, crisp American accent. If one of the guests is, is got a Scottish accent, you're doomed. Um, <laughs> that's going to yeah, be a few hours of, uh, of fixing. Irish as well, a great Irish brogue. You know, I've, got a, uh, I've got a few podcasts that have uh, indigenous land acknowledgments at the front. Um, there's no hope for getting that right. <laughs> It's I, I, I don't mean to be rude about it, but unless it's like English words with an American accent, transcription can struggle with this stuff. And it takes time to go in to get it right. And you do have to get it right because if it's at the top of the show, especially, you know, it words matter. 
and it shows how much care does go into the show. Uh, they're also, um, it, and again, it's the time that, that it does. I, David, I don't know how long it takes, but a one hour show like this one is, is going to take a solid, you know, half hour to go through and, and get correct. And again, oh, yeah. the, more, the more niche the subject, uh, it, I mean, it, it, if it's medical, good luck. <laughs> you know, I have a I have a, a service that I use that is uh, they pr- pride themselves as being native English speakers, people transcribing and not uh, not AI. And typically it runs, you know, depending on a few factors such as n- number of people, accents, bad audio can run anywhere from, you know, 90 cents to a dollar, ten dollar, 20 per minute. And that certainly adds up quickly. But I got one back from the service today where the host and the guest had similar uh, voices, particularly after I ran, ran it through a bit of AI. And it, there were a couple parts where they they were flipped, and I also learned today that this was also missed. Sheboygan, Michigan, and Sheboygan, Wisconsin, are spelled differently. Michigan has a C, and Wisconsin oh, has an S. I learned that today because the guests saw the transcription and said, uh, "Sheboygan spelled wrong." I'm in the Michigan one, not the Wisconsin one. I would I only preface and mention all this because I started down the transcription road in twenty twenty in March of twenty twenty two. You were an early adopter, Matt, of the group here. Yeah, and I thought maybe you know we we would hit a point of improvement, but it, it got worse. The <laughs> deeper I got into it, the more time it took, and and it's gotten slightly better uh, in places. Uh, but in terms of the amount of time invested into the transcription part of creating a podcast, it is still long. I agree. Yeah, I, I mean, I tend to use it only when necessary, so to speak. I mean, the, if you're trying to generate a list of topics for your podcast you can go with an unedited transcript and you're still going to be able to ferret out those, those topics. I have certain clients I work with that they want a transcript. They want to put it on their website. That's got to be accurate. I, I won't use Descript for that just to call out a couple apps here. Um, Descript's getting better, but it's still only, I don't know, it's in the nineties as far as accuracy. I happen to use something called Trent. I don't get any uh, kickback for this, but Trent.com. Now there's a fee for that, but, you know, if you want it accurate, seek out the transcription service that is going to give you the most accurate one. Uh, question. Didn't didn't I make a pledge in 2023? I would not be talking about transcription again. <laughs> yes. So should, I think I did. Okay. Yeah, I just I, just as a I closing it out. I just yeah, we can, we can have this show be the year of the transcription. That's the topic we've covered the most. <laughs> Wait, Catherine said transcription. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'll give, we'll give Catherine the last the last point here, which is a lot of your podcast is specific to you. It's yes. very it's very niche to yourself, right? Okay, this is this is like a come to truth moment. We have all of us have said it. The goal is to ha- for your show to do as best as it can. You're you're not worried about the download numbers. You're not going to be shooting for thousands and thousands of downloads. That you're trying to make the best show you can for your audience. And I have to say, this year has been a real just a testament to that that advice that we've given out many many times. Uh, Matt, you'll have to give me the exact number, but. We all know as podcast producers, the average number of podcast downloads that a show gets is something in the range of, let's just say, 150 to 175 downloads. It's that is a modest number for the amount of love and (laughs) preparation and time that goes into making a very good podcast episode. Sometimes it can feel like there's a little bit of a mismatch between the amount that goes into a good podcast and the number of downloads that you get. However, if you do things well, the that 150 to 175 people that you connect with, if you are bringing your podcast to the right people, it can be successful beyond your wildest imagination. So I have some great examples of one show in particular that I'm thinking about is that we're really hitting that right audience. We it's it is a niche show for a niche audience. Um, it was designed when we started it up to be a tool of connection. So this is to be telling stories that are connection based. They're there to open doors of communication that maybe have been closed in the past. And the way that I know that this is a success is because my client hears from people every single week. 
every single week she is hearing from that ideal client that we're trying, that ideal audience member that we're trying to reach. She's getting feedback. She's getting comments. She's getting all kinds of information that's saying we are hitting that bullseye. And so even though a lot of people would look at the download numbers and not be wowed or impressed, that is probably, I would say, that's probably my most successful show because of the impact it's having and because of the feedback that uh, my, cl- my client is receiving. So I just have learned a lot about just, just making that connection, is getting that feedback, having that impact. You can do it with the numbers that an average podcast will give you. Can I um, push deeper on this, of, Catherine? Of course. Because... I, I kind of reiterated the same thing earlier and just said it in a different way um, when I sort of was dumping on the bigger podcast, not being as effective, but right. uh, can, can you talk about activity? So when we talk about, okay, this show is resonating, this show is doing well. Um, talk about the activity that would lead you to believe that you've got a winner. Well, okay. So in this particular uh Instance, and I'll I'll say this: I've I've talked to people who have more experience in the podcast industry than I do, and they have for a long time said engagement is what you should be looking for. Mm-hmm. And I I kind of took that as like, okay, yes, um, but I frankly I kind of discounted it a little bit because I thought, oh well, that's coping for the fact that you're not getting download numbers that you that we all want. I mean, we're human beings; we want the accolades and the the response and the you know see the the download number go up, but. For for example, in this, the example of the show that I'm talking about specifically, we have a way to email the host in every single show note. We say that's the way, you know, this is the way to reach out to the show. We mentioned that on the show. She gets those emails. Um, again, because it's a niche audience, she's actually exposed to the people that we're trying to reach very frequently. And they verbally tell her, oh, I listened to the show. I love this. I never would have heard this story had it not been for your show. So she's not only we've given her a means to get that information, the email address, she's getting those emails, but then, you know, she's exposed to the audience and she's hearing it from people directly. Is that, did that answer your question, Matt? Oh, Yeah. You know, you get hung up on that number of 100, anywhere from 130 to 150 as the average number for podcast listeners or the mean median. I always get those terms confused. But after right. 30 days, yeah. After yeah. 30 days, that's a big number. If you're getting 20 or 30 downloads every episode, imagine being on stage to a group of 20, 20 or, 30 or 30 people. Exactly. And they have your, you have their rapt and undivided attention. That's really not a bad place to be as the, as the numbers continue to grow. Uh, with that, if anybody, uh, we're going to say Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy New Year, and everything else that we have not covered. Um, any final thoughts from around the room as we say goodbye? Great job, Jag. Good Thanks, job, Nate. Jags. Thanks. <laughs> we'll do our final plugs starting up north of the border. Matt Kundal, the Sound Off Media Company, Winnipeg, Canada, where it remains above 40 degrees. <laughs> Climate change is a hoax, right? Down south to Johnny. Uh, you can follow me on X and my closing thought would be do one thing that we recommended today. Don't do all of it. But if there's one thing that interested you of what we learned this year, just take it on yourself. January 1st, I'm going to get my show on Twitter. I'm going to add a video component to my podcast. I'm going to make one short of my show. I'm going to learn how to do it well. Well said. Not to a county, but to a parish. And Catherine. That's right. Uh, you know what I'm going to say, and, and this is something I'm thinking for myself, is I am going to try and find a way to support one podcast that I really like that's made an impact for me, um, whether that be subscribe to their uh premium or whatever, I'm going to do that. So because I want to be a person of integrity, like you can't ask people to support you if you're not doing that for other you know shows that you care about. So just think about during this time of giving, maybe supporting one of the podcasts that you really like. That's my, and I, maybe I should have a report for you all. Like what happens when you, when you start supporting the, the podcast that you love, that would, that might be a, something I'll, I'll be able to report on in the new year. That is a great idea. And over to, uh, it's not quite six Eastern yet. So it is still zappy hour, David. <laughs> uh, Jack, do you like apples? Well, podcasting should be fun. And that's what we say at pod six, one, seven.com in pod. We trust. How do you like them? Apple. <laughs> 
Wicked Pissa. <laughs> I am John Gay from Jag in Detroit Podcast. You can find me on social or online at Jag in Detroit. Jagindetroit.com is the website. Jag in Detroit is the social. Thank you, everybody. Have a wonderful holiday season. Happy New Year. And we'll talk to you in January. Thanks for listening to the podcast, Super Friends. For a transcript of the show or to connect with the Super Friends, go to the show notes of this episode or go to soundoff.network. A production of the Sound Off Media Company. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on blasttheradio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's blasttheradio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter. Come on, let's go to the Blue Hotel. I want to live at the Blue Hotel. The podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares. It's for the open-minded pleasure seeker it's jeff woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality theme-based with special guests blue hotel hotline and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story get a room and listen in at the blue hotel begins friday september 23rd